This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. I'm a pretty decent cook. I actually season all of my food, and I know how to follow a recipe, even if it has some of those fancy French instructions. My partner, however, is the real talent in our kitchen. I mean, we have an entire bookshelf dedicated to her cookbooks. Everyone who knows her has at least one favorite dish, and it's impossible to pinpoint a specialty because she has too many. I say all this to explain why the first time that I cooked for her, I was terrified. However, it is since that first meal that I've become the one in the household in charge of making cream spinach whenever that's on the menu. In this week's story, Teller Erin Barlow shares how important food is to her relationship with her wife and in-laws, and how one particular dish almost changed everything. Recorded live at the Promontory in Chicago in June 2022, Second Story is proud to present That White Bean Dip. vegetarian for the past 17 years, so I'm capable of anything a vegetarian recipe might require. And whether it's weekly food prep, dinner parties, or weekend breakfasts, I don't see cooking as a chore at all. I truly love to cook. I have a problem, though. I want you to be impressed. I need you to be impressed. Have you ever had that interview question, what is the best compliment you've ever received? My number one, referring to my acting, you're just so consistent. My number two, I still think about that pie you made. (laughs) I did not inherit my problem from my mother. My mom is a pretty good cook as well, but I was not raised in a home where dinner was a performance. As a widowed mother of two small children, my mom was more concerned with feeding my brother and me cheaply and quickly. I was raised on crock-pot meals, frozen lima beans, and canned fruit cocktail. However, my mom has a sister who is five years younger, my Aunt Marge. When I was growing up, I thought my Aunt Marge was the coolest. She was single, she drove a BMW, which she paid for in cash, and she was always jet setting off to Paris or London. She'd send me postcards from her travels written out in her sophisticated handwriting. And she's a great cook. When I moved into my first apartment in college, my Aunt Marge wrote out six must-know vinaigrette recipes for me on her personalized recipe cards. I was 20. Once on a family vacation, my Aunt Marge suggested spaghetti for dinner one night. She meticulously wrote out a shopping list, grouping the items by their location in the store, and she handed the list to my mother. My mother returned from the store, and Aunt Marge and I got to work unpacking the groceries. Aunt Marge sighed. I scanned the items on the counter. What's wrong? Aunt Marge picked up a 28-ounce can of tomatoes and frowned. Deborah bought the wrong tomatoes. (laughs) I evaluated the can. 
My mom bought crushed tomatoes, and she bought the correct size, but I've watched enough Barefoot Contessa in my life to know the real problem. My mom bought store-brand tomatoes. She didn't even buy Muir Glen, and she certainly didn't buy certified San Marzano tomatoes, which everyone knows are the best canned tomatoes because they are grown in a particular region in Italy near Mount Vesuvius, and the volcanic soils bring forth a sweeter, less acidic tomato. If you care about such things, which my Aunt Marge does, and so do I, because we're out to impress you. When my wife and I were first dating, I made her four pies in one month. Blueberry, chocolate pudding, key lime, and Oreo. Of course, I already had a key to her apartment, so I even snuck one into her fridge as a surprise. The third best compliment I've ever received, Lauren said, no one has ever made a pie just for me that I didn't have to share. <laughs> I worked so hard to impress Lauren with my cooking that she became my hype person. So, when I started meeting Lauren's family, she was already volunteering me to bring dishes to family gatherings. After a year of dating and six months of living together, we joined Lauren's family on a vacation at the Wisconsin Dells. I packed up flour, yeast, salt, my cast iron pizza pan, various pizza toppings, and off we went to the Dells. On our designated dinner night, I pressed out the dough with oiled hands while Lauren sliced the veggies for toppings, and we churned out pizza after pizza. This is the best pizza I've ever had, said Lauren's father, Jeff. Can I just tell you, and I've had a lot of pizza, this is the best pizza I've ever had. The next year at Easter, we joined Lauren's family at their lake house in Michigan. Easter is a huge deal in Lauren's family. They are not remotely religious, but they are competitive. The same way they are competitive about card games, Monopoly, who costs mom and dad more money, academic achievement, sports in general, balanced reciprocity, gift giving, and parallel parking. So, Easter is a celebration of spring comprised of Easter-themed tasks, like an art project that's judged by Lauren's parents, doing a cryptogram, completing a jigsaw puzzle. And then, upon completion of those tasks, you must run out into the yard to find your specific eggs, not just any eggs. And once you find all of your eggs, you earn the right to open your Easter basket. The first time I spent an Easter with Lauren's family, I thought I was being hazed. <laughs> but this was my second Easter with them, so I was mentally prepared for the Easter competition. And I decided that I'd bring a vegetarian dish to snack on when we arrived. To impress them, of course, because I have a problem. <laughs> what about that white bean dip, Lauren suggested? That white bean dip is from Supernatural Every Day by Heidi Swanson, and I've made it dozens of times. It calls for two cans of white cannellini beans, but this time I used dried beans. What am I, a cheat? I put the cannellini beans in the slow cooker, drained them, saved the bean juice for vegetable broth later, made the rosemary oil, toasted the sliced almonds, and then dumped the beans in the food processor with salt, two-thirds of the rosemary oil, two-thirds of the almonds, and then the lemon juice, and blitzed it. The dip went in one Pyrex, the lemon zest in another, the remaining almonds in another, and the remaining rosemary oil went in a small jar. 
We arrived at the lake house, white bean dip in hand, and as soon as we stepped inside, we were greeted by grunts. Dad, what's going on? Lauren asked. Just, ugh, installing a new toilet down here. Jeff would never, ever pay someone else to do a job he could handily do himself. Lauren and I peered at the gaping hole in the floor of the downstairs bathroom and we swiftly retreated. I went to the kitchen, found a plate, and casually arranged sliced cucumbers and peppers on it. I placed the dip on the table, drizzled it with rosemary oil, and sprinkled it with lemon zest and sliced almonds. Lauren hovered nearby and quickly dipped a cucumber into the bowl. This dip is so good, she said, and she kissed me on the cheek. I beamed. Lauren's sister, Amy, and her new boyfriend arrived later that afternoon. And what do new boyfriends do? They help their girlfriend's father install toilets. The new boyfriend barely had time to say hello before he was sucked into the downstairs bathroom to assist. Meanwhile, Amy was chatting us up and eating copious amounts of white bean dip. This dip is excellent. How did you do this, Amy said. Oh, it's easy. You just use a food processor. It's got cannellini beans, lemon juice. Jeff emerged from the bathroom, wiping his hands. The new boyfriend stayed mysteriously behind. <laughs> What's this? Oh, it's just this white bean dip I made. Well, you do make the best pizza. I'm telling you, the best. Jeff scooped a cucumber into the white bean dip and deposited the bite into his mouth. Oh, that's good. He went for another bite of dip and disappeared into the downstairs bathroom again. God damn it! Dad, are you okay? I gotta go to the hardware store. There's this one screw that goes into the base of the toilet and I dropped it down the hole. <laughs> 20 minutes later, we heard Jeff and the boyfriend pull back up to the house. Dad, do you need any help? Lauren asked. No, 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 we got it. The door to the bathroom slammed shut. God damn it! The house shook. Lauren's mother, Lonnie, stuck her head out of the kitchen, snickering. Is he dead? Dad? Are you okay? The bathroom door sprang open and Jeff lunged into the living room, almost aflame. I dropped the screw down the hole. Again? Yes. Did you buy an extra screw? What? Did you buy an extra screw just in case? No. I gotta go back to the hardware store. After the toilet was finally installed, no more screws dropped, Jeff made himself a plate of my white bean dip and sidled up next to me and Lauren on the couch. I just gotta tell you, this dip is really good. Lauren looked over at me. She's pretty great, isn't she? Jeff nodded. She really is. Late that night, I lay awake in bed next to Lauren in what's known as the fish room, staring at a wall-sized painting of largemouth bass. Just behind that wall was the upstairs bathroom. I could hear Amy's boyfriend helping her to the bathroom and then Jeff banging on the door. I need the bathroom, please, Jeff pleaded. Hold on, Amy puked. Please, I need it now. Hold on, Amy puked again. The toilet flushed repeatedly. My eyes popped open each time I heard the creak of the bathroom door and the subsequent digestive distress. And although I knew that both Jeff and Amy had a flair for the dramatic, it was clear that they were both truly sick. And I was starting to 
worry that I'd caused it. At sunrise, Lauren rolled over and squinted at me. What are you doing? I couldn't look away from my phone. I think I poisoned your family. <laughs> what? My Google search was cannellini beans poison. It turns out that dried red kidney beans and white kidney beans possess a toxin called phytohemagglutinin, or PHA. The only way to rid the beans of PHA is to pre-soak for at least 10 minutes and then vigorously boil the beans for at least 30 minutes to be safe according to the FDA. Using a slow cooker, like I did, can, to cook the cannellini beans can actually increase the level of PHA. Your body reacts to this toxin by emptying the entire digestive tract as quickly as possible. Lauren sat up and looked at me. Did you not hear them going in and out of the bathroom, I asked? No, I didn't. Both your dad and Amy all night. They both ate so much of that dip. I know. I ate some too. I know, but they ate a lot of it. You poisoned them? I think I did. Are you going to tell them? I... I glanced across the room at the bass swimming in their lovely lake, sunlight streaking through the blue water. The fish looked blissful, unaware of the fishing hooks lurking above them to pull them to their eventual demise. I don't know. Oh God, I was so sick last night, Jeff announced at breakfast. I was definitely sicker, Amy said. I bet you I was in and out of the bathroom 25 times, Jeff countered. I bet you I was in there more than you. It was awful. Their voices blurred into a low buzz. What had I done? I had never, ever made anyone sick with my cooking. As a vegetarian cook, it's not something you have to stress over. You never have to worry about guessing if the meat reached the right temperature or cutting board contamination. I longed for the tile floor to swallow me up and take me back in time so I could strangle the wannabe domestic goddess inside me and just buy two stupid store brand cans of Dan cannellini beans. You know why you got sick, Jeffrey, is that toilet. You were messing with that toilet. No, Lonnie, that's not it. I'm telling you, it's the toilet. No, it's not, Lonnie. I almost passed out. <laughs> it was obviously food poisoning. I waited for the group to begin listing the items on yesterday's menu, teasing out any pathogens and how they might have been transmitted. I could feel Lauren's stare. <laughs> Hot on the side of my face. Her thoughts bored into my ear. Aren't you going to tell them? <laughs> I couldn't, I, I couldn't own up. I had only sickened two people and they were relatively fine now. And if I didn't know about the poisonous beans, chances are they wouldn't either. And I had to keep impressing them. I was in love with Lauren and we were probably going to get married and I needed to be able to cook for her family in the future without their hesitation. I said nothing. I competed in the Easter egg hunt, earned my basket, we ate Easter dinner, and then Lauren and I packed up our Pyrex and jars and went home. Days passed, then months, then years. 
No one mentioned the poisoning of Easter 2018 ever again. I continued to cook for Lauren's family. Galettes, pastas, salads, cookies, and of course, more pizza. I continued to impress them. Lauren and I combined our finances, bought a condo, and nearly a year and a half after the cannellini bean incident, we were married. Our families crowded into the Spartan basement of Chicago City Hall to witness our brief ceremony. Aunt Marge was there, shoulder to shoulder with my mom. One of our treasured photos from that day shows Jeff and Lonnie looking on as Lauren and I were married by the judge. Lonnie is smiling wide, and Jeff's eyes are brimming with tears. They are my family now. And after all this time, I can only hope that they're practicing the most essential of family values, forgiveness. <laughs> This story was produced by Casey Truba, curated by Aimee Tin, and directed by Christine Thorin, with music and sound design by Nathan Kistler. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Terrace and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.